welcome to Diverse Conversations with Asta Patel. I'm so glad that you have decided to join me back again. It's been a while since we have last connected. Um, a lot has happened and a lot is happening um, as you know, we meet and connect again uh, in the field of healthcare technology. And it is my immense pleasure to bring back a continuation of a series that I had started last year, which is exploring the future of healthcare technology, a field that is very close to me and something that I'm very curious about as I learn and I wish to share these learnings with you. Prior to beginning my podcast, I just want to put a disclaimer out there that the views, opinions, thoughts, perceptions expressed in this podcast by me or my guest are solely our own personal opinions and are not to be uh, a representation of our employers, organizations, affiliations, um, or any other groups that we uh, may be affiliated with. Uh, these are solely our own personal opinions and thoughts. And with that, I would like to, uh, yes, it's none other than Dr. Amit Salmond. Amit is a proven award-winning customer-centric leader with extensive experience in enterprise and cons consumer space at Somatics, Dell, Riverbed, NetApp, and TCS with a strong track record of delivering groundbreaking products in the areas of data analytics, AI, artificial intelligence, machine learning, data management, and software as a service, and security. He has an exceptional ability to translate concepts into reality um, but, uh, through thought leadership, collaboration, and negotiation skills. He also serves as an adjunct faculty, consultant, startup advisor, leadership mentor, and a career coach. He holds an MBA from the Warden School, uh, University of Pennsylvania, and a PhD and Master's of Science in Computer Science from North Carolina State University. It is my immense pleasure to welcome Amit, um, you know, for him to take this time out to have this conversation. Because um, with his role at Somatics, um, I am just very excited to share the insights that he has shared with me uh, through our conversation. So here we go. Welcome to Diverse Conversations. This is Ashka Patel. And as I mentioned, we have an amazing guest waiting uh, in the waiting room right here uh, with us, Dr. Amit Savans. Um, Amit works with Somatics uh, in a role which he will actually talk about more because the work that he's doing at Somatics is very interesting. Somatics offers some really interesting services. And I think this is the first time we're featuring such a guest on our podcast. So with that, um, Amit, I'll pass it over to you. If you could please introduce yourself and let us know a little bit about your role at Somatics and you know, just what do you do? Hey, Asuka, thanks for the introduction. Really excited to be here and to talk a little bit about Somatics and what we are doing here. Uh, so. You know, my name is Amit Savant. I'm based in the San Francisco Bay Area. I am the Chief Product and Business Officer at Somatics, which is a big data analytics company in the health tech space. Uh, so we have built an AI-powered remote patient monitoring platform that uses wearables. We have built our own wearable device, uh, but our technology can work on any of the commercially available smart bands, smart watches, and what we have done is we collect data passively on, on people's wrists. Uh, the current use cases that we are going after is elderly patients, either in uh, uh, nursing homes, assisted independent living facilities, uh, outpatient settings at hospitals. And we collect this data 24 seven passively without any intervention. And based on the data that we collect, we provide clinical insights to the healthcare providers, to the caregivers of these uh, patients. Uh, so that's that's been uh, what we, you know, like an amazing uh, work that I've been part of. I've been with the company for about a year and a half. Uh, so my role here at Somatics is uh, uh, 
to work on the product and the business strategy? How is it that we can commercialize, scale the growth of the company, take it to newer heights? So that's something I've been super excited about in my earlier part of my career. It was more around not to geek out uh, too much here, but uh, was more so around quality of service as to how is it that you can, from a networking storage perspective, improve the quality of data and whatnot. But now uh, I'm working on something where I work on quality of uh, life, improving quality of life. So that's that's uh, been an amazing journey. So that's that's sort of what our mission is at Somatics is to improve patient lives using technology in a cost-effective manner. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I think that kind of does put that, you know, that master's of science and PhD in computer science with the MBA. And this is what, you know, this is the culmination of that product where you're able to bring those strengths together um, to truly, you know, help patients Absolutely. achieve a good quality of life. And I think the work that you're doing at Somatics is very important because um, as we know, um, home care is becoming now the new hub where healthcare is provided, right? Like it, the, the trends are, where we're moving slowly into the patient's homes to provide healthcare services to them. Um, and I can see how remote monitoring would be of such an important um, part of you know, delivering that care to patients within their home care settings. So with that, um, I think what I wanted to start off, let's start off that conversation. Um, you know, remote monitoring is gaining momentum. Uh, where do you see the future of remote monitoring um, for patients um, going and, and you know, how, where does somatics fit into that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, if anything, uh, this pandemic has really accelerated the adoption of technology in the healthcare and the health tech space. You know, traditionally, healthcare has been slow in terms of adopting new technology, but unfortunately, COVID has played that accelerator right now in terms of uh, adopting new technology. And this is where I think uh, uh, that coupled with the fact that uh, there are these uh, uh, shortage of staff uh, and all of these things that have really come together in a way that has enabled the uh, healthcare providers to adopt new technology. And this is where I think uh, remote patient monitoring really plays a vital role uh, as to how is it that you can uh, take care of the patients uh, and improve their quality of life. Uh, uh, so rather than having to uh, manually go and look at the patients, uh, you know, uh, more often than not, is there a way that we can passively monitor the patient and have the interventions only when that is absolutely needed? And that is during the point of care. So, uh, and remote patient monitoring really helps in that scenario, right? Uh, so this is what we have been excited about. So uh, like at Somatics, we used uh, a novel gesture-based detection technology to identify what a patient is doing, what a person is doing, whether uh, they are drinking, sleeping, walking. So just purely using the wearable and their hand motions. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine like, uh, as, as I'm moving my hand, it's uh, changing uh, sort of that uh, 3D space vector, right? So this is something that we are collecting. This data is something that we are collecting and calibrating whether is this a motion of somebody taking a sip, taking, you know, like, uh, sort of a cup from uh, hand to mouth, taking a sip, putting it down. And this is what we have uh, done. That is uh, collected all of this data. We have run a lot of pilots to uh, identify whether this motion is a drinking motion or not. And we can not only 
calibrate whether a person is drinking, but how much did a person uh, uh, sort of that liquid intake? We can quantify that liquid intake as well. So you can imagine if we collect this data over a period of time, we can identify whether it is is a person at a risk of dehydration or not. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's that's something that we do from a predictive analytics perspective. Uh, uh, eating disorders, this is something uh, that, that we are also working towards. Uh, the UTI risk analysis. So all of the data that we collect passively 24 seven, you can apply predictive analytics on top of that and provide those clinical insights mm. to the healthcare providers. So that's, that's where I think uh, remote patient monitoring technology has really played an important part in not necessarily replacing the staff that the healthcare providers or the caregivers, the nurses mm -hmm. that are taking care of the patients, but it acts um, synergistically. That is, it complements the work that they are already doing. But now with this RPM technology uh, uh, as, as part of their toolkit, they can focus on other critical aspects uh, of how is it that they can take better care of the patients. So if anything, remote patient monitoring has not only enabled improve the quality of the patients, but it has also improved uh, the empathy that uh, these healthcare providers have towards their patients. So I, th I think it has overall played uh, a pretty uh, positive role in improving uh, the quality of care, both for the patients and the healthcare providers that they are taking care of their patients. Absolutely, I would I would agree on that, and I think uh, you know the, the information that you're sharing, and, and I'm trying to process and analyze because it's just like such amazing like information that I'm like it's not something that I'm very familiar with, but I'm learning as we talk, and and you know it's I have so many questions I will get to, get to them very soon, but sure. I think what it like the picture that is painting in my head as we as we're having this discussion is you know the technology that you're providing uh, with the with the hand gestures and the wearables and everything else. It's more like, you know, you're creating opportunities for just-in-time contact um, with those passive data analyzed. You know, you're allowing, um, you know, for us to study trends of what a patient is doing and then, you know, right. what are those interventions that would actually lead to outcomes that we want to instead of unnecessarily. Sometimes, you know, we, we do, um, sometimes we do an overkill. Sometimes we are not able to truly assess a patient because we don't understand the full picture of a patient. But I think gaining this information really helps because, then you're able to pull all those pieces together. As you said, dehydration, urinary tract infection, what it, where is the chain, what's the linkage, right? Um, and right, with that, right. I guess, um, I'm, I'm just curious because you spoke of a so lot- So if I may just add one point to this, you know, yeah. like uh, 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 the shift that we are trying to do is moving from curing to caring and from there to being more proactive. So, mm -hmm. um, trying to get into more uh, individualized care yeah. and preventative care rather than sort of uh, something as a reactionary step. So that's, that's sort of that paradigm shift that we are looking towards is how is it that we can move from um, a reactive sort of uh, care to a more preventative sort of care. And this, this eventually leads to decrease in the overall, you know, like the healthcare cost as well. And that's, that's something, uh, that we have seen out in the market. Absolutely, uh, and it, I mean, you hit quite a few points because the labor shortage, staff shortage, we know it's a, it's a reality in healthcare. Like, you know, healthcare providers are exhausted because of like the, the increased burden of care uh, that has been Absolutely. on their shoulders during the pandemic. And, um, you know, we know that there is a major shift happening where 
healthcare uh, workforces sometimes choosing not to return back to their workplaces because of the burden um, that was placed onto their shoulders. So I think having technology support those functions uh, will alleviate some of that burden. And maybe, you know, it might just maybe open up opportunities for healthcare providers to truly practice their scope uh, rather than having to then go around, um, you know, completing logistical and administrative tasks rather um, and truly focus on that intervention and that interaction with the patient um, more right. than anything else, right? Um, that, so that's, okay, I'm glad that I'm understanding this correctly uh, because with that my, is my next question. So uh, you had spoken to uh, providing um, remote monitoring services. Uh, so how does that, uh, and you had mentioned about, you know, us being more preventative in our, our approach to patient care um, rather than more treatment approach. Um, and being it more individualized. So where is the future of um, you know, vir virtual services and the provisional of uh, professional services? Um, because a lot of the times patients will go to a physician, that's the expectation, right? That they will go to a pharmacy, right. go to a physician to seek those services. But now with remote monitoring, how's that changing? Yeah, uh, interesting question. Yeah, I, there will be, at least from my point of view, I see that there will be some sort of a change but not a replacement to, hey, yeah, just because now we have remote patient monitoring, you're wearing this wearable, you know, like we can uh, identify your uh, signs of decline or deterioration in your health. If anything, that will sort of paint a holistic picture, uh, sort of a, um, a continuous picture, if you will, in terms of whether a person's health is improving or declining through their activities of daily living. So, you know, like sort of the data that we collect. Uh, and if anything, that's gonna provide that holistic picture to the healthcare provider, to the physician, to the nurse, uh, rather than them having to purely rely on the episodic readings as to, hey, now is the time for a doctor visit, maybe a yearly visit or a six month visit. And then you collect all of these uh, uh, you know, like vitals. And then based on that, uh, you make some sort of decisions. Mm. But if you can complement that along with this 24-7 continuous passive data that you're collecting for a patient, I think uh, uh, sort of uh, the decisions, the prognosis that you could uh, make could be very rich. And that's, that's uh, what I foresee that uh, it, is, it is going to help with that, you know, that preventative care and overall lead to uh, better outcomes for the patient. That's, uh, thank you. So, um, and that that's like the future of remote monitoring, um, obviously. Uh, you had also mentioned somatics works with the wearables and, you know, where is the future of wearables heading? Because I think it's still a very new concept. Where it's not that new, but like, I think it's now just gaining mainstream attention. Right, right. And, you know, like, thanks uh, to, uh, the early smart bands, smart watches that came out in the market, you know, like uh, the Fitbits of the world, which probably came out like maybe uh, six, eight years ago or something. If anything that has uh, broken that uh, uh, barrier of adoption with people in general, they know, oh, you know what? Yes, uh, it is It is not uh, um, uh, sort of uh, uh, something that I have to worry about. The data gets collected passively. So, but it was still at a very, uh, an athletic option, if you will, rather than uh, looking at it from a, a healthcare, a, a health tech lens. But still the adoption of that has uh, 
broken that barrier in terms of uh, uh, at least the use cases that we are going after, like the elderly people that, oh, you know what? Yeah, there have been Fitbits uh, that people have been using. So I can use this. I know this is mainly targeted towards the health tech space, but uh, that has uh, improved the adoption with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also sort of the other few things uh, uh, that we have been working on, and I've seen uh, you know, like some of the other competitors out in the market have been working on is, uh, uh, you know, like today we can monitor uh, whether a person is sleeping, walking, drinking through all of these uh, IoT sensors that are part of these wearables, right? Yeah. The accelerometer, the gyroscope, but now also in our next generation smart band, we are including PPG optical sensors that will uh, collect data, you know, like the heart rate data, SpO2 data, uh, skin temperature data. It will also have a barometer. So you can, you know, like all, today we also do fall detection, whether it's a person is falling, is at a risk of falling or not with uh, some additional sensors, you can increase the sensitivity and specificity of the algorithms that we are developing that provide those clinical insights. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, sort of the future of uh, these uh, uh, wearables or smart bands, I see that you'll have a clinic on the wrist through these wearables. Uh, that coupled with all of the other capabilities that uh, we already provide with our smart bands, uh, you can have this single pane of glass view of a patient's health in terms mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, is, is this person at a risk of dehydration? Uh, falling risk, uh, um, uh, sort of UTI risk, uh, whether is this person has some sort of eating disorders. So bringing all of these uh, sensors and technology into a single platform will help uh, us take better care of the patients and ultimately result uh, uh, in better outcomes for the patients. Uh, so currently with our current generation smart band, we use uh, Bluetooth, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, BLE technology to push the data from the smart band to the phone and then push the data into the cloud where, you know, like we have uh, our backend database. Now in our next gen band, we'll also help have uh, Wi-Fi capabilities. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to have uh, your smartphone act as that gateway, but just right from the s- smart band, you can push the data directly into the cloud using Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. So these, these are a few uh, interesting uh, trends that I see uh, in the market and for us to go and tap into the market. Right now, there isn't uh, a single market leader in this play, uh, space. It's a very fragmented uh, market. Uh, so there's there's a lot of opportunity um, to be grabbed and market share to to attain. And that's, that's where we see a lot of technology companies getting into this space as well, along with these uh, uh, telco providers. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the, you have truly opened my my perception of you know how I, how I see technology contributing into healthcare. Um, and I, I think we're just getting started into this revolution of health tech. Um, I think we're in the infancy of it, and and you know moving forward in the next five to ten years, we'll truly realize um, and maybe identify a, a, a direction in terms of where we want to go with this technology because it would have matured by then, and and you know truly like you would have good rich data. To understand the impact it has um, on not just the short-term but long-term outcomes as well, uh, but with and you have already touched to some of these as well as you were um, sharing that information. But I also wanted to understand. So you know, like when we step away from the remote monitoring piece, but like just some trends like that you're seeing within health tech 
um, you know, and, and where do you see, um, and how do you see those impacting our patients in the future, um, just from a health tech perspective overall? Yeah, sure. Um, so sort of a couple of uh, uh, trends that I see, you know, like wearables, we talked about that for quite a bit. Uh, I also see AR, VR playing a big part in this uh, as well. You know, like in fact, uh, in one of the accelerator programs that we were part of, there was a company that had built these or that are using these uh, uh, um, uh, AR, VR, like vision goggles. How is it that you can use that to immerse a patient in an environment where through these immersive technologies, they can improve their health uh, by having uh, um, sort of these meditation type capabilities uh, whereby just by being in that environment for a certain period of time uh, with certain frequency, how is it that you can improve uh, their health? So that's, uh, that's, that's um, an interesting uh, uh, trend to watch out for. And um, I believe, uh, you know, like, sort of personalized healthcare, that's that's gonna be uh, a, a big trend as well um, as to, you know, like typically we keep, at least from my perspective, healthcare has been catering towards, hey, what is the majority of the population? What uh, challenges are they running into? So let me have solutions targeting towards the majority of that population, you know, like sort of that, uh, 80-20 uh, rule. If 80% of the people are going there, let me invest uh, uh, more time and energy into that and not necessarily focus on the rest of the 20%. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, how is it that uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning can be used so that uh, you don't have to manually cater towards, let's say, in like in this example, towards that 20%, but is there a way that you can use AIML to not only cater towards that 80%, but also that 20% and provide that personalized uh, uh, care to those patients by using, uh, you know, like AIML technologies. So that that's that's something uh, I feel is going to change things going forward. Um, sort of one example that comes to mind from, uh, you know, like pharmacy perspective, uh, like given that we are on a, on a, a pharmacy podcast <laughs> is around medication intake. You know, like there are technologies whereby uh, you can send reminders that, hey, if, if there's a patient who has to take uh, three medications at a certain time frame, you can send them the reminders. Uh, but is there a way uh, that uh, you can identify whether a person has taken the medication or not? In fact, that's something uh, that we are currently piloting Mm. that, uh, you know, I talked about the gesture-based detection technology. So if somebody taking a pill and then having that motion of putting it in the mouth and then having water, so that's that entire sequence of steps whereby somebody took the medication. So that coupled with the fact that this person was supposed to take a medication at uh, 12 p.m., let's say. So if they haven't, we can send them a reminder, a notification 15 minutes afterwards. And then passively, monitor and identify whether a person, did that person take that pill or not? If so, great. So now we are uh, having somebody self-report whether somebody took a pill or not. Is there a passive way of identifying whether a person took that pill or not? So that's that's another avenue that, uh, you know, that I foresee uh, will be big going forward. 
Absolutely. And thank you for sharing that. I mean, as a pharmacist, I'm always very interested in learning, you know, how the pharmacy sector is being disrupted by all this health technology that's emerging. And I think um, obviously um, every sector in healthcare requires this disruption because we have been too reliant on the old ways of how we do business. Um, and it just does not necessarily cater to, you know, the, the challenges that we're seeing today. Um, but what you mentioned about medication management is so important because even we struggle in our day-to-day -day role, um, you know, to truly understand uh, whether a patient has actually taken the medication that they were supposed to take. Um, and was it the right medication that they took, right? Because it's not, like, not all patients aren't just one medication a day. They're at least on an average taking three to four medications daily. So I think this kind of technology definitely would help. Um, obviously, you know, if we can fine tune it even further and um, see if we are able to label what those medications that were consumed or like, you know, what was picked up even, um, that might help right. us truly understand, um, you know, what exactly was the medication did they give, um, administer to themselves or was it an injection, oral pill, et cetera. Um, but right. I think the technology that you have at Somatics would have so much of an impact on that because you know, you're, you're understanding how gestures are, you're learning how those gestures, like what gestures mean, and then translating that in the future to um, actions that can be, you know, tracked uh, from that point onwards. So I think that's, uh, that's a great one. And just because we are talking about the gesture-based uh, technology, I also wanted to um, give, uh, take this opportunity to see if there was any um, research or any um, highlights that you wanted to also share about any successes with your ventures at Somatics and and you know, how has it impacted patients' um, health outcomes in a positive way? Um, if there's anything that you wish to share on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, things I would like to mention is that, uh, yeah, we have uh, the, these uh, predictive analytics capabilities that uh, potentially reduce UTI risk, uh, reduce fall risk, but uh, have we really applied that in a, in a, in a, like in a pilot or in a, in a real world setting. And we did, and our data shows that we were able to reduce UTI risk by about 20%, mm -hmm. fall risk by about 70%. And, and in like in hospital settings, you know, like typically, especially in an outpatient setting, the readmissions is a pretty big deal that if a patient is readmitted within 30 days or 90 days, the hospital has to incur some sort of a penalty. Mm -hmm. uh, so we also used our technology in that outpatient setting. And we saw that by using our variables, collecting the data um, and so on, we were able to reduce the hospital readmissions by about 17%. So you can just imagine on an average, the cost that a hospital has to incur through these readmissions is about $15,000. So uh, if we are able to reduce that by 17% or let's say on an average, that's a pretty big cost savings for the hospital. Mm -hmm. So that itself pays for the technology and so on. So uh, these, these are some of uh, the health outcomes that we have seen. Uh, also one, one personal um, uh, outcome that I would like to share here, especially during these COVID times was, uh, you know, like we provide these apps, mm -hmm. uh, a user app, a caretaker app, uh, and also a family app whereby, um, a person can monitor their loved one's data. So during, at, at least during the early times of COVID um, in these uh, assisted living, independent living facilities, people weren't allowed to go and visit their loved ones. Mm -hmm. So by just having this family app, this person could monitor their mother's data. How are, you know, how is she doing? Okay, is she sleeping well? Is she 
eating well, the number of steps that she's having, is, is it looking, is the data looking normal? So uh, through those, through that family app, she was able to at least uh, get that peace of mind that, you know what, my mother is doing well, she's been uh, taken care of. So this is where technology really comes to the forefront and really helps in providing that peace of mind uh, to, to a person. And that's, that's something that really hit home for me is that uh, moving from a high-tech industry uh, into a health tech space, uh, having that impact through your technology really, really resonates. And that's, that's something uh, that really uh, was, was great to hear and uh, you know, like get a feel for. That's awesome. I mean, uh, I think uh, the pandemic has uh, truly uh, revolutionized the way we'll provide healthcare moving forward. Um, and I think technology is here to stay. Um, if anything, as we talked about earlier, like, you know, it, it's going to get more integrated into healthcare delivery um, than it is today. Um, and I thank you so much for sharing that. Um, but I think one, uh, one um, concept that always, um, I'm always curious to understand and learn about is, you know, every time, every success has its own challenges um, that were experienced prior to reaching a successful outcome. Um, and given that, um, you know, you are uh, a growing company, um, you know, what, where are some of those barriers or challenges, um, you know, if that if you can speak to whatever you may have faced or also like just overall, like when you're innovating in healthcare, um, you know, what were some of the barriers or challenges that you faced um, as you were innovating this new technology? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I'll talk about uh, a couple of broad areas. One was just around adopting the technology. Mm -hmm. That is, hey, uh, yeah, you know, like we understand smart bands, Fitbits have been, um, you know, like adopted early, but you're bringing that into a healthcare setting. Mm -hmm. So what are you going to do with my data? Yes. You know, uh, the privacy around the data, that's, that's a, a big question that these healthcare providers and these patients have, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so how is it that we can address that? Uh, uh, so that was uh, sort of that initial barrier that we had to you know, overcome. Mm -hmm. that, okay, so whatever data that we are collecting uh, is uh, encrypted and stored, and even as it traverses uh, from the band to the phone to the cloud, all of that data is encrypted at rest, as well as when it's in motion. So mm -hmm. that's uh, so we made sure that we followed all of the uh, sort of the compliance related aspects like HIPAA compliance, GDPR, all of these things. Um, uh, so that's that's something we wanted to make sure that you know, like we follow those uh, and the encryption of the data, the way the data is uh, stored anonymize the data, all of these things. Uh, and we are also working with uh, big uh, pharma companies. So they have their own, uh, you know, like regulatory compliance and governance aspects. So you have to go through all of these security audits. And if anything, going through these audits have helped us even further uh, uh, improve our uh, ways of doing things in terms of managing security and stuff. Um, so that's, that's, so that was uh, the first barrier. Then the second barrier from a product perspective that we had was, uh, hey, the commercially available smart bands and smart watches out in the markets, uh, the battery life um, on them isn't that great. They either last for a day or a day and a half. The use case that we are going after is these elderly patients uh, 
in the at these nursing home facilities, independent living, assisted living facilities. Uh, you cannot expect uh, these elderly patients to charge their bands mm. every day, every night. And if you are doing that, that's the time that you're not collecting the data. So we wanted to make sure that uh, the battery life on these uh, smart bands is at least three to six days. And that's one of the reasons why, even though we consider ourselves as a software company, we decided to build our own purpose-built smart band. And this, this smart band has uh, a battery life of about three to six days. So that's, that's one thing that was... Uh, initial feedback that we received uh, from these healthcare providers is that battery life has to be high. It has to be cost effective. So therefore, uh, this is like a simple smart band. It doesn't have a watch or dial because if it did, then potentially the battery life on that uh, would, would uh, be lower. So it just has a single button, an emergency button. If somebody needs uh, the care, they can just press that and it, it uh, sends an uh, alert notification to their healthcare provider, to the nurse or the contact center in a home care uh, setting or so. So that was another uh, barrier. Mm -hmm. Then another one was uh, we wanted to make sure that the adoption and adherence of the smart band is high enough. Uh, in fact, the study that I talked about a little while ago, we saw that the adoption and adherence was 90 to 95%. So that itself shows that uh, uh, and, and we had gone through two or three iterations of the band where we improved upon the material of the silicon as well, just to make sure that it is uh, uh, really soft and good enough, uh, mm -hmm. especially given that we are going after the elderly citizens. We want to make sure that uh, uh, they will keep the band on, saying that, okay, well, the, the band is causing some sort of rash. I'm not going to wear it. And then there goes the adoption of the band, right? So, so we went through multiple iterations of these. So uh, these, these were sort of some of the um, challenges uh, that, that we went through, both from a adoption perspective, uh, technology and product perspective as well. Thank you, thank you. And and the reason I ask these questions is because I think um, there's a, you know a lot of um, healthcare providers who are interested um, in you know venturing into or trying to innovate to disrupt the way we provide healthcare. Um, be it you know taking on technology such as what Somatics provides to um, you know further incorporate into their practice and see how they can help their patients better. Um, and I think understanding these barriers also helps because then you're, you're really understanding how the product came into existence. Um, and I think um, there's also industry-wide barriers because healthcare is a very regulated environment and for right reasons, because patient safety right. is the, of paramount um, in making sure that everything we do, um, you know, it leads to a safe healthcare provision for our patients. Um, right. But with that, um, I think I cannot um, forget the business part of um, innovation and technology. And, and we do know that there's a, a lot of big players in the market and, uh, you know, who are trying to get into the space as well, like Amazon, Google, Microsoft, um, you know, these are just a few that I can think of, but like there's many, many others uh, that are bigger companies. Um, and you had mentioned something earlier on the podcast, how this is still a very new and a fragmented industry because there's no real leader that uh, that has yet been able to capitalize and because it's, it's just new technology that we're playing with. But how do you see uh, such big corporations entering into health tech? Like, do you see this as a disruption? Um, how does it impact innovation? Because would they then start to control a lot of innovation and, and you know, how do we proceed forward with that? 
Sure. Uh, yeah, before before I answer that question, let me just quickly throw some numbers at you. Sure. Uh, you know, like uh, uh, the global RPM market is about, uh, yeah, the last time I checked is about, you know, $120 billion market. Uh, the U.S. market itself uh, is about $73 billion. Uh, and if you zoom in into that, the variable market within that is about uh, uh, 13 to 15 billion market. So it's it's a pretty big market, even if yes. you look at the variables in the US itself, right? Uh, uh, yeah, and you rightfully said, all of these big tech giants are entering this space uh, be, uh, because there is uh, uh, no big leader in this, in this space, in the remote patient monitoring slash variables uh, space as of yet. In fact, uh, if you look at recent mergers and acquisitions, you'll see that Best Buy just recently acquired Current Health. Uh, then there's another uh, uh, variable company, sort of I can't remember the name that Best Buy acquired. So, so there is a lot of M&A activity happening in this space. Uh, and one of the reasons why these uh, tech companies, you know, like the Googles, Amazons, Microsofts, uh, of the world and along with these uh, telco providers mm -hmm. as well, you know, like uh, uh, T-Mobile, Verizon are partnering with other companies to try and get into this particular space because they also look at this as uh, new markets to go after. Yeah, they have uh, an established customer base, but, and they are growing within that, uh, but how is it that they can even capture a new market and increase their customer base overall. Mm. Uh, so sort of uh, the three ways to look at how uh, companies uh, uh, build products or increase their footprint in a certain area is through these uh, uh, build, buy, or partner, yeah. right? Uh, okay, uh, uh, so these technology companies, the reason why I think that they are on this uh, uh, MNA spree is because uh, you know, now for example, you know, like uh, let's take the example of somatics. So we spent, as I said, five years just collecting the data, uh, fine tuning the data, uh, making sure that it works in a real healthcare setting. We have built our patents, so it's not easy for companies to, but first of all, to bypass these patents. Like we have these family of patents around this gesture-based detection technology. Right. But that coupled with the fact that we have this big data mm. collected over a period of five to six years. So that itself makes uh, the technology really super valuable. Yeah, the, uh, these big tech giants can um, put in more resources into building the technology, but uh, not to the point of collecting all of this data. They don't want to enter the space where, or at least I feel like from my point of view, they don't want to uh, get into this environment where uh, they want to work uh, with um, hospitals, nursing care facilities, do all of these pilots. If there's a way for them to acquire all of that data from somewhere else, that bring that in along with what they're, strong points are in terms of uh, developing the, the technology, building a platform, making it part of their ecosystem and they're driving overall growth for them in this new market. So that's that's uh, uh, sort of the angle or the avenue, the opportunity that uh, these big tech companies uh, see. So more from a 
either a partner perspective or uh, acquire M&A perspective, not necessarily build, because the building is going to take time as well, yes. right? So maybe at that point, the market may have shifted somewhere else. Uh, uh, sort of that market share, the grab for that market share, somebody may, somebody else may have uh, already grabbed some, you know, like some of that market share. So that's the reason why I see more so of these M&A activities, these uh, partnership activities happening more. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing that because I think um, it's always interesting to see. Um, and I think I always believe that innovation requires um, a lot more hands. It shouldn't always be consolidated because consolidation negatively impacts innovation. Um, and then that was just one of the reasons why I had asked that question is because, you know, I think right now, because we're in such an infancy of um, health tech, um, that we want all innovation um, to have that chance to prosper and be able to prove, you know, what it set out to uh, prove and, and just making sure that, you know, we are not consolidating that because of this need um, to like a gold rush to innovation because sometimes that's how you see it because there's just so many small companies coming up um, and and I think I have to commend you because not every company will take that time those those, those five years to truly wait collect data analyze and then you know take it to a product uh, that's ready for the customer because um, I think right now there's this whole what I would call is a gold rush to innovation, um, where everyone's trying to just get their hands into the into the market, put it on, get something right. out into the market to say, "Hey, I'm creating this." Right. Um, so that right. was just uh, that was the, that was the reason why I had asked that question. And I think as we are wrapping up this interview, because you have shared some amazing insights, I think from health tech to business perspective, and it goes to show the knowledge that you have. And I, I do know that you're a mentor um, yourself. Um, and I am certain that the audience who are listening to this podcast, a lot of them are pharmacy students as well, will truly benefit uh, from the insights that you've shared. Uh, do you have a piece of advice um, for healthcare professionals who are looking to enter into the world of health tech and innovate, like any resources or any advice that you can share for them? Yeah, sure. Um... Yeah, the one thing I'll uh, talk about is, uh, you know, like technology is uh, disrupting other industries and moving into other spaces. So um, as as you're um, learning new things in school, colleges, universities, uh, always look out for opportunities in terms of uh, uh, sort of keep your minds open, if you will, in terms of finding those opportunities, where do you think technology can, uh, you know, enable things? Because it's, uh, yeah, in a certain uh, industry, yeah, you can you can sort of innovate and get to a point where sort of you, that, that innovation curve, if you will, like flattens out, right? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but maybe that same technology can potentially be applied into a new industry, into a new use case, uh, right? Now, for example, AIML, right? right? Yeah. yeah, it has been working great in the high-tech industry. It has been, like we have been at it for quite some time, but uh, now just applying the same methodologies into the health tech space, right? So basically uh, moving from invention to innovation in different industries. So there's, always look for synergies um, in, in different industries and find for those, you know, opportunities. Uh, and that's where, that's where having that uh, uh, entrepreneurial mindset uh, uh, really comes into play. So, and for that, be open to new things. Uh, 
so I personally have been very interested, you know, like recently into uh, crypto, into mm. the crypto economy, the uh, uh, not necessarily from a Bitcoin perspective, but uh, the underlying technology blockchain. You know, how is that, uh, you know, like all of the things that we sort of the buzzwords that we uh, hear today, smart contracts, uh, you know, Web3, how is that going to change things, right? So, yeah. so uh, get used to those terms, understand that uh, at, at uh, a deeper level and see the area, the uh, industry that you are in. How do you think uh, these building blocks um, mm -hmm. can, can potentially disrupt? And this is where you hopefully you would be able to find some uh, uh, disruptive area to focus on and maybe build your own startup in that space. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. Definitely. I think, um, and I think that has always been a challenge. I mean, and I can speak to myself for this for sure, because as a healthcare provider, especially, uh, you know, when my focus and my training has been so focused and structured on the medications aspect of it, um, you know, sometimes it is difficult for me to you know, take a step away from it because I'm like, no, this is my territory. This is where I feel comfortable, right? So I, I totally resonate with what you mentioned about like exploring your horizons and seeing, you know, how can you take best practices and what is working for one industry and seeing how you can, you know, then take it to somewhere else and create a better opportunity in, in that sector as well. Um, why right. not? If it's working for this one, see if there's a use case for the other technology sector as right. well. So thank right. you for Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Just, just having that big picture mindset, yes. uh, you know, that, okay, you know what, this is all that is happening in today's world, not just necessarily, not just necessarily in health tech, healthcare, but across industries. So how is it that you can bring all of those uh, uh, bits and pieces, sort of those Lego blocks, if you will, and then, uh, uh, you know, like sort of uh, build your own uh, company or something using those Lego blocks, uh, these pieces of technology for a greater cause, for a bigger cause. Right? Couldn't have said it better. Couldn't have said it better. You have given us some really uh, like, you know, some really good thoughts uh, that I'll definitely be uh, quoting you on because <laughs> um, you have truly shared uh, such immense wisdom. Um, I'm, I'm truly inspired. And I think you have definitely motivated me to kind of think outside the box and, and you know, learn about these different technologies that are out there, not just technologies, but just the different concepts that are flowing around in the world. I think one of the interesting ones that I was just reading today, I think that Facebook and Instagram are, are thinking of starting their own coin currency of some sort. So that, um, you know, I, I'm like, I was like, huh, how does this translate into the bigger picture? Um, so it might be something that we can come back and talk about on, on another date and time. Uh, but as we're running out of time, I did want to, um, you know, kind of ask uh, uh, my last question to you. And this is just to kind of help us wrap this conversation because you've shared such immense um, insights. But as a leader in health tech, um, you know, what, uh, what do you see as the long term? Uh, where do you see us going like five to 10 years from now? Um, in, in terms of how we provide healthcare to our patients? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think um, remote monitoring is going to be huge and I'm not biased. <laughs> you know, wow. like telemedicine. Yeah, yeah, telemedicine. And then just, just having, uh, uh, moving from a reactive to preventative care and from preventative care to outcomes. I think, I think this is where uh, I would like to see healthcare uh, move towards. And I think we are definitely moving in the right direction, you know, on that front. And uh, 
uh, how can and technology already has been an enabler on that front how is it that uh, we can um, uh, further improve upon that uh, i think i think that's that's where we'll see uh, sort of healthcare move into that uh, mm -hmm. uh, space you know like arvr aiml already being used uh, i would i would love to see uh, uh, how web3 and um, blockchain can be part of healthcare the one the one thing that comes to mind is around uh, uh, data ownership you know like today uh, our data is sprawled across everywhere right now let's say if you're doing a credit card transaction uh, just purely to establish trust you have to provide all of your information just to know that yes i am amit savan this is my address this is my whatever my personal information. And then once that's done, then the transaction happens, right? But what happens to the data that's, uh, which I don't have ownership, the credit card company has ownership of that. So just imagine this in a health, in, like in a healthcare setting, right? That's even more intrusive. So how is it that you can have technology, mm. uh, especially Web3, where you're decentralizing uh, things so that I can have ownership of my data. I can have, uh, some way to provide only the data that you need, not necessarily all of the data, which you may only need some subset of the data, right? right? So how is it that Web3, uh, crypto, blockchain can be an enabler so that I can be the owner of my healthcare, of my health data? Uh, so that's that's another uh, thing I would love to see in the next uh, you know, five to 10 years. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I think, um, you know, patient um, ownership of data has always been a contentious issue and an issue of concern. And, you know, obviously it's because we have just not had a good understanding of what happens to the data, um, you know, once it's being collected. Um, and I think um, right. it would be great for us to reconnect over a second conversation, part two of our conversation to, you know, discuss that in the future. Uh, but with that, absolutely. I I'm going to wrap this up because I do know that we are uh, running out of time. But at the same time, I think this conversation has been so, so, so insightful for me, especially uh, because I've learned so much, um, not just from the technology point of view, but also from the business aspect of it. And I think um, it goes to show the caliber of a leader that you are and, and the knowledge that you have about this. Um, and I wish you all the best with somatics. Um, you know, uh, I do know that there's a few interesting um, uh, things that are coming up in the near future. And I, and I wish you best um, as you as you are moving forward with the company and, and, you know, looking forward to see what the company has to offer to our patients in the very near future. Thank you, Aska. It has been a pleasure being on your podcast. I would love to come back again. Once again, thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. All right. With that, we're going to end this conversation right here. Thank you, um, Dr. Savan, for the, the time and the commitment to having this conversation with me. And with that, stay tuned for our next episode. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.